0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 114 of the Metabolus 2 podcast, um, which features David.
1: And David. What? Wait, no. <laughs> 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 Fooled you once.
0: Uh, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> <All right>. ben. <laughs> and Ben. And <laughs> Ben. Oh, there we go. Look at that. And, and that from thence the humor arose. Um, so this week, we're continuing with our ace marathon, yes. watching the McCoy era. Yeah. And we started on the old final season of Doctor Who. Sad. There's not a dry eye in the house as we have watched and will talk about Battlefield, my liege. <laughs> By Ben Aronovich. It's
1: his second it's story.
0: His sophomore attempt.
1: Usual crew uh, JNT is producer, and Andrew Cartnell yep. is script editor. Unfortunately, Kef McCullough is back for, for back. the incidental music soundtrack. And. Uh new to Who director Michael Kerrigan has the honors. Yeah,
0: yeah the directing isn't that bad. The music oh, it, is awful. It detracts again. But. It really takes you out mm-hmm. of the action in every way. It's just twiddly and widdly and plinkety-plonkety and overly synthesized. Mm-hmm. And again, as I think we were saying last week, it's not that we don't like, well, I don't like synthesizers in Doctor Who. Because just get Mark Ayers to do it. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid Kev McCulloch does not know what he's doing. Yeah,
1: not yeah. not my favorite either. So get yeah, that out so, of the way.
0: And you're a connoisseur. I mean, I'm just a dilettante when it comes <laughs> to Doctor Who music, but you're an actual... Yeah, you know. big
1: thumbs down on this, this scoring. Yeah. Just doesn't work, and it's... I'm not sure it even worked in the 80s. I'm not sure it worked contemporaneously with... with, with yeah, time. it didn't
0: work contemporaneously. I can remember hating it then, and yeah. I hate it now. Yeah, it yeah. sounded like just the kind of music I didn't like that was in the pop charts. You know, it's all kind of, they've got, I'm sure they've got names, but that kind of like blang, blang, blang kind mm-hmm. of synth drum sound. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, you spin me right round, baby, like a <laughs> record, baby, right, right, round, round, you know, all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. No good, no I'm good. A fan of Dead or Alive, then. I don't like that at all. Okay. <laughs> big, big, big cast in this one, too. Lots of people, yes, all running about. Mm-hmm um should we just go down the list, <laughs> down the list. <laughs> well okay so i mean let's ostensibly this is about sophie aldred and ace she's looking good
1: another good story for ace she gets to do her main skill of blowing things, blowing up, things uh, up
0: Yep. um kind of a parody of devil's end or and uh the demons yeah she seems to uh you know the doctor is kind of teaching her to like do stuff um is 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 the implication that she's a bit magic the way that she is able to withdraw the sword from the stone?
1: I don't think so. I think the uh, idea is it's pretty mundane, actually. <laughs> right.
0: Oh, I was yeah. I was thinking oh maybe maybe she's supposed to be magic. But anyway, so yeah. No, she does a good job. Mm-hmm. I think they've done her hair slightly differently. She mm-hmm. doesn't wear that bomber jacket all the time, which I never really liked that much.
1: Well, she didn't wear it all the time in um, end of last season with uh, the greatest show. So it that's does, true. It it's starting it's, to yeah. It's a little bit of variation in her character, and uh, yeah. we'll see. She'll be in period dress in uh, later in the season.
0: She will be. She'll be in several period dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, oh yeah, I was saying, she's, yes. only, she's only got three. only got three stories left. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um. What's the deal with her friend?
1: Uh, I'm not sure how, uh, shun Young fit into
0: the story. I know. She seemed a little bit of an extra. I'm
1: guessing she's a bit of a local, and my guess was she was helping out on the dig.
0: Do we know why Ace needs a friend like that?
1: It seemed to be a good way of getting someone for Ace to talk to.
0: Yeah, that was my impression. Um, the
1: two uh, young women can bond over explosives. And yeah. uh, I think it gives her a person to vent about the kind of dated treatment or the way that the brigadier treats her.
0: I guess so. It is a little bit odd to find two young-ish women who are both interested in explosives. Because that's <laughs> quite a it's quite a niche interest, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never met anyone who's interested in explosives and mm. i'm considerably older than than aces <laughs> and i've met i think more people in general
1: have you been on any archaeological digs because that seems to be the place where you would meet people of explosive interests yeah apparently that is that is there is a,
0: there's a strong the venn diagram of archaeologists and people who like explosives there's mm-hmm. a strong inter- <laughs> strong intersection <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so i felt i felt that that didn't work very well for me i'm afraid mm. um Ace's friend, it felt a little bit artificial and kind of tacked on. And, you know, obviously as you point out someone who's there, so that Ace has got someone to talk to about explosives.
1: I think it's also interesting to cast with ethnicity of a a Chinese or Asian background because in that scene, just jumping ahead, when uh, Morgaine is threatening them with the destroyer, Previous to that, they're in the chalk circle with the spotlight on them and right, they right. keep mishearing each other and doing that. It isn't until Ace starts doing a racial uh, slur to Shun that she realizes that someone's playing with their mind and making them think because uh, it's, a, it's a nice bit of writing from Aronovich's building up of Ace's really strong feelings against racism in Remembrance of the Daleks that, true, th- yeah. that it pushes... That she's pushed so far that she's someone she isn't,
0: right? No, that's good. No, that's uh, you're, you're right. That is uh, that is that mm-hmm. is kind of effective. So.
1: so I think the other bit, like I mentioned earlier, is uh, she doesn't really have a good relationship with the brigadier, especially um, introduction. I think the brigadier says, "Oh, so she's the latest one to the doctor," or something like that. Right. And Ace vents to uh, Shun about that. So I think it gives her. A character, a, a way of expressing it rather than just complaining to the doctor. It's more sympathetic, uh, sympathetic listener.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's a here's a question. Um, mm-hmm. do we need the Brigadier? Well, I mean, it's nice to have him there because mm-hmm. everyone loves Nick Courtney. He's a very affable chap, but is he really necessary? Um,. Well, Aronovich wanted to kill him off, so he would have been necessary he- <laughs> if
1: he was going to kill him off. You needed the brigadier there. Well, He's got to be in
0: it. He's got to be in it for, for you to kill him. That's true. Right. Yes.
1: But since he didn't have the heart to do it, and thankfully I'm, I'm glad he didn't, uh, I'm not sure it's a brigadier story. I mean, it's supposed to be, you would think, okay, if, if. Doctor Who is going to continue on for season 27. Right. And that we've reintroduced the unit. We have a new Brigadier, Brigadier Bambera. Uh, Bambera. And the unit's been more uh, stylized as more contemporary UN with the blue hats and very uh, international, at least Eastern European cast. Yeah, um, yeah. It's supporting Europe, not just uh, the home county uh, Brits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could imagine that this was the changing of the guard, or the transfer, but the brigadier doesn't really seem to have much point other than to, uh, the, the, you know, that that penultimate scene where he right, right. goes back with the, kind of lamely uh, karate chops the doctor and knocks him out and then ace curses him out and then he goes and shoots silver bullets at the destroyer with the get off my world and i'm just a soldier i'm doing the best i can but i mean it's good writing it's nice nice characterization of the brigadier but without it ending in his death you wonder okay did you really need the brigadier here it could have been bambera
0: i think that was the point of my question i think it would have been a lot more effective if we'd actually had some kind of uh you know development and outcome of the character of Brigadier Bambera who is a good character Mm -hmm. Um, she's got awful beret discipline Um, she needs to (laughs) go back and look at herself in the mirror and sort her beret out uh, Mm because that's that's not good at all in fact all of their berets are very very poor and regular listeners to this podcast will already know my opinion about berets and Doctor Who's Inability to get berries right, anyway. So yeah. there's that. But um, she is a good character. Um, uh, Do you think
1: she's a bit wasted with the yes, uh, definitely. with the story? I mean, it's basically a courtship story. There's a kind of her, a love interest between her, her and Anselin. And Anselin. Yeah. yeah,
0: and it's like, well, really, um, that's. I mean, that's if they're trying to be all. You know, um, contemporary and like, ooh, the Brigadier's is a woman. Ooh, that's amazing. But then the, her main plot is like she she's like falling falls,
1: in love with Ansel <laughs>
0: falls in love with Thor out of the Marvel movies. <laughs> only earlier. Um, well, he's supposed to be Lancelot, right? And so is yeah. she like
1: and with Winifred is that's it's sort of Gwynevere. a Guinevere. Yeah, Guinevere. So, yeah,
0: that's so, so Lancelot and Guinevere. So yeah, I mean there is some. From foreshadowing there. I mean, it's not particularly well foreshadowed because you'd have to know <laughs> that. We, I mean, they should just call it Guinevere and him Lancelot. I mean, then, right. you know. I mean, old, mm. old, old. Well, old, I mean,
1: you went with Morgane and Mordred, so why not?
0: Exactly. I mean, I think old timey Doctor Who would have just called them Guinevere and Lancelot and have done with it, you know, like, you know, the <laughs> Reverend Magister. Or they um, would have.
1: They would have renamed Ace Guinevere, and she would have been married off at the end of it, like uh, Vicky, Vicky you and go. Troilus and Cressida.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, so I think it's a shame. Um, uh, I, 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 I like the Bambera character, mm-hmm. and I, I think it would have been good if someone had died. That <laughs> sounds like a weird <laughs> thing to say, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, the the whole sacrifice element, I think, is always... You know, it's, it's always a nice kappa to a story. Uh, I the mean, I guess, only
1: speaking character that died was uh, the uh, helicopter pilot,
0: uh, Lavell. Yeah, I mean, for someone, for so, and I guess all those, you know, all those soldiers, all those weird space knights—they
1: weren't really speaking named characters. That's so they, true. Were, they, were, I mean, they were, yeah. Extras. I mean, I think,
0: I think the death count. I think we were promised a higher death count. Um mm-hmm. or there was an implied promise of a higher death count mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the, the French the French helicopter pilot lady who um you know well, she's gets
1: Polish, I think.
0: Oh was she Polish? I thought she was called she Laval. Was playing...
1: Yeah, but I think she's played by a Polish British actress.
0: Oh right, okay. Well she's some she's some European woman who who then <laughs> dies. Continental. Some some, some damn <laughs> continental, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's my take. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to have Nick Courtney back.
1: I'm glad they didn't kill him off, honestly. I'm glad they cause... didn't kill him off,
0: because that means we get to have him, you know, doing other things in like right. the new adventures, and mm-hmm. he gets back to, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot better in the Sarah Jane adventures than he is in this. Mm. And he's a lot older. He's like 20 years older in the Sarah I'm not
1: J- sure if he's better. I think this was good. I just think that this, this story was really padded out, and then sending him to London for no real purpose didn't and spending you know half the episode in the in, in the helicopter, the helicopter or half the story in the helicopter didn't do him any justice you want him interacting with bam you want that uh you want that old 70 chauvinism the terence dicks uh, yeah. male, male chauvinism going up and struggling with uh, accepting that his replacement is a black woman
0: yeah and I think what one is hoping for is the three doctors you know um, in some ways we're hoping for a, one brigadier and then another brigadier to, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the two brigadiers basically right. um, yeah. but we don't get any of that because he spends half the time in the garden center with Doris <laughs> um, and then the other half the time flapping around Britain in a helicopter yeah. at, at, in at the night time you know yeah. They should have taken him straight to Carbury or wherever the hell they were. It was Car- Carbury, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, they should have taken him straight there, in like, a, you know, in a tank or something.
1: Mm-hmm. There's two stories that are being intertwined here. One's Aronovich's retelling of Arthurian legend being right. space knights um, that can... <laughs> travel through outer space and then crash in their armor and then go up in battle. So it's kind of a Highlander Space Knights type thing. Right. And then the other thing with the destroyer and the nuclear missile at the same time, so you have this idea of, uh, implied of nuclear destruction. Uh, the destroyer is the magical version of total annihilation and a nuclear missile that would get launched by Morgaine at the end is the it, It's the same it's the same type of thing. It would start off Armageddon.
0: So yeah, and the, the they don't really fit together that well to me. I mean, there are obviously two things that the writer wants to do. Right. And they're kind of squashed together in a way that isn't entirely doesn't entirely fit. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, again, I mean, I think because they're both they're both well one is obviously well as you know, King Arthur isn't real. Um so <laughs> anything I mean, we could talk about what the historical King Arthur was, but he certainly wasn't anything like that. And Um, certainly,
1: and the period would be all wrong for the type of armor and whatever that they're doing. All of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
0: that's allegorical to start with. And then if you also then include the kind of nuclear missile thing, and then, you know, it's the... So, in order for the, all that stuff to work, you've got to have a bunch of coincidences. You know, so mm-hmm. why is Brigadier Bambira driving a nuclear missile across country? Yeah. Isn't it a bit of a coincidence that it breaks down or something mm-hmm. right by where the doctor from another dimension has buried a spaceship that's got King Arthur in it? Right. I mean, that's kind of a coincidence, basically. Right. Um, I, you know, it's really unlikely that you'd have a nuclear missile that is armed ready to go that you can set up you know it's it's the whole thing is you know <laughs>
1: it's contrived
0: very it's contrived con- contrived is the word i was searching for yes it is yeah. very very contrived overly mm-hmm. contrived mm-hmm. i think and i'll have to say as also um those bucket helmets that the, <laughs> the that the knight that those knight those space knights wear is really that's monty python i'm sorry yep. those are the knights that go neat or whatever the yep, knights do yep exactly i mean surely the costume designer had seen monty python surely <laughs> they would have realized that that's the wrong shape for those helmets
1: i'm thinking this is iranovich and Cartmill saying you know it'd be really cool we've seen holy grail
0: why don't we make it look like holy grail <laughs> I, do you think so? I guess that's the only logical explanation is that it was it was done deliberately. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they like Monty Python, because they're you know they're nerds, um, <laughs> and it's it, a
1: good and it's a good movie,
0: and it is it is a good movie, but it really it takes me out of the action completely because right. it's like blimey, it's you know it's it's the
1: <laughs> you it's expect Patsy Python. to be there with the coconuts,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly, and you know some holy hand grenades, and then mm-hmm. like a rabbit, and you know because yeah. they are kind of ridiculous. The fighting is not particularly well choreographed, and I, I understand I understand it's super difficult to do, mm-hmm. but then maybe. If it's difficult to do, don't do it.
1: I think the fighting is probably well choreographed. I think it comes down to direction and right, the type of camera angles. I think. The, yeah. Okay. I think the direction in the story is pretty abysmal, at least in choices of uh, camera angles and uh, just just in general. I, I'm not a fan of Kerrigan's direction in this, and where where I think it really stands out is. And the angles that he chose to uh, depict Jean Marsh uh, as Morgaine right. are really unflattering towards Jean Marsh. It makes her nostrils look like, make make them look huge, and they're not. Yeah. It's just the angle that he's trying to go like, like you would film a Dalek from a low perspective, but you're looking right up her nose a lot of the time, and it doesn't work. It's very distracting, and I think it's just bad, bad choices in uh, shot selection on Kerrigan's, Kerrigan's behalf.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you're, you're right, it is. I mean, she could look a lot better. Um right. And she's got that weird kind of, you know, metallic miniskirt on, which I guess is kind <laughs> of armor, and those weird long nails, which is also weird. Right, that, that I think wing.
1: was, a, I mean, I guess because she's a, a sorceress, that she needs long nails, but that... I don't know. I mean, Jean Marsh, I think, does an excellent job, and she really She's sinks, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she sinks her teeth into that role. But the story has a lot going for it. I just think in execution, it doesn't really pull it off. Uh, Aronovich doesn't pull it off by not killing off the brigadiers, so the story really doesn't have the changing of the guard, that kind of punch, and no. he fully, I think, acknowledges this. But then we have the depth of the character of Morgaine Where, When she goes and pays her son's bar tab right after killing uh, Lavelle, she gives sight to um, the the woman from Earthshock, uh, June Bland, the actress. uh, I can't remember her character's name, but she was in Earthshock. So there's some depth to it. Right. And they, they have this uneasy truce with the brigadier. Uh, because they want to conduct a ceremony honoring the war dead of the First right. World War, so yeah. th- I mean, Aronovich is giving these villains some depth, and uh, Marsh is really working with it. I think with what she has, there's a lot of uh, things for her to work with, and she acknowledges that in the making of DVD. I don't know how kind she's being, but it seems like there's things as an actor to work with in this
0: there is but i mean i think i mean i think the problem is there is it's it, it, it becomes like progressively sort of less and less clear about what they're actually doing in this other dimension if mm-hmm. if it's you know if it's only anselin that they're fighting right um then where's the rest of everybody um mm-hmm. that's complicated i mean i can see how they'd be all kind of you know honoring the dead of another dimension but you wonder why they're doing that mm-hmm. um uh, so yeah it's 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 uh, i mean i think she, i mean yeah she does a great job but it's the more as i think is very often the more you try and find out what's going on here the kind of less it makes sense basically mm-hmm. to me
1: yeah it, it the other thing that i think struck me as really odd is right. how the helicopter crashes in this rural part of england and the first thing the brigadier does is pull a sidearm, and he's walking into the village with his sidearm pulled. What I mean, I guess, because he thought the helicopter was shot down, that he's on the defensive. But it seems like all the soldiers are really quick on the draw in this yeah. settled area.
0: I mean, I think you know, there's enough to attract a brigadier. It's it's it is interesting. I mean, there's, there's obviously there's a lot of kind of Pertwee era fan service going on here you know there's a hijacked ish missile um there's the mind of evil there's bessie in general there's Mm -hmm. the demons you know there's a horned monster from another ish dimension right that's super powerful you know i you know it's jumps out when you look the the hotel it's i guess it's a hotel rather than a Mm -hmm. pub it acts like a pub Right. but it's called a hotel it's called the Gore Crow, right, which is I guess is supposed to be like the Cloven hoof in the demons, but you know right. I, there are pubs called the Cloven Hoof. I can guarantee you there is no pub in the history of <laughs> pubs that is called the Gore Crow because that's a really bad name for a pub um one thing that that you may not have come across before, and I can't remember whether I referenced this when um Uh, We talked about this uh, when we talked about Battlefield in our first kind of spin through of Doctor Who is there's a there was a and this is again, you know, I'm 100 percent certain Ben Aronovich is reading comic books at this time. Hmm. Um, He's certainly reading 2000 AD. I've already referenced in the Dalek one um, remembrance that he's reading heavy metal. Um, He's also reading something called Camelot 3000, which was published in the early 80s by DC Comics. Which was a basically it was a, it was space King Arthur, and it was a retelling <laughs> of the story of King Arthur, but everyone's in space. Mm. Um, it's not a very good comic book series. It is best known. The only reason why people still talk about it, it is the really the only ongoing uh, comic series that an uh, artist called Brian Bolland did, and Brian Bolland is basically the god of British comics. Everyone speaks his name in kind of hushed tones Um, but it's the only kind of ongoing series he 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 ever did so it's still it's still well known but only because because Bolland drew it Mm -hmm. Um, but it is as pointless and as confused as Battlefield is because you know Space King Arthur is kind of a silly idea and I you know I haven't watched all of the documentaries but if you know if if Aronovich wasn't reading Camelot 3000 then he saw it at a friend of friends house Mm-hmm. because this is definitely what this is based on
1: i wonder if that's where he got the idea of that weird scabbard at the beginning
0: yeah the, yeah the whole vibrate i mean i've not i mean I've, I've i haven't read camelot 3000 for years there may have been a vibrating scabbard in it i mm-hmm. don't know i yeah, what is the deal with that vibrating scabbard it vibrates in the presence of ace
1: and then it almost uh impales uh, the archaeologist yeah Wormsley, but that it's like it's being summoned by Morgane or something like that. I don't, I don't get it, but the, it has a prominent role in the first part, but yeah. then it's ignored in the rest, in remaining three parts, it's like the antithesis of Chekhov's gun. You have Aronovich's, uh scabbard, where you play something up in the first part of the uh, drama, and then totally ignore it for rest, <laughs> and just completely forget <laughs> about it
0: because you've you've written too many things in that you've got to get rid of some You're things. You're juggling too much. Like, yeah, yeah. There's just too much going on, basically. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and again, you know, the 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 kind of what I think a younger. And obviously, at this point, Aronovich is young. I yeah. think what a young writer fondly imagines is characters like the blind hotel or barmaid, landlady, hotel yeah. owner's wife, you know, who gets her sight restored as, mm-hmm. as the bar tab. I think a young, a young writer thinks that that's super you know, interesting and a delicate touch of kind of everyone's a character. Right. It's so achingly unnecessary and there's so little for those two actors to work with in terms of their characters that it's just kind of embarrassing. I, 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 I feel, I'm afraid, that kind of over, mm-hmm. over-characterization of people.
1: Yeah, well, Jubin Bland, who plays the hotelier, uh, has only really two two scenes she has the scabbard where she gets all <laughs> mysterious about that that damn scabbard and then serving drinks to mordred and then having her sight returned
0: and not being blind anymore i mean again you know there's a lot you can do with someone who's blind and then has been unblinded right here's a suggestion why not have ace's friend start out being blind and then she gets unblinded hmm. that would have been good and then you would have been able to get rid of the one of more the landlady. yeah um here's here's something that really struck me as well which i hadn't really kind of noticed before has any other doctor apart from sylvester mccoy shouted quite so much he does a lot of yelling
1: not in the well
0: baker did a lot of shouting didn't he He did he did it was but he, anger. he was there was less of it i feel than I mean I guess Baker did it for you know seven years or so eight years. Mm-hmm. McCoy did it for three years and right. way less of it over those three years. Right. But he, there's an awful lot of of the Doctor getting angry and shouting for someone who's supposed to be all sort of mysterious and mm-hmm. manipulative and doing things in the background. He is given a lot of stuff to yell about, and the the difficult difficulty there is I'm not actually sure that yelling is is Sylvester McCoy's strong suit as an mm-hmm. actor.
1: Well, it worked really well when he saved uh, Sophie Eldred's life when they were filming the tank scene. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's another another knock against Kerrigan's direction that he <laughs> they saved. He, us.
0: He, he almost killed everybody. Yeah, I guess so.
1: I, <laughs> I, he almost electrocuted his entire crew and yeah. and, his, and his leading leading actor. So, or, yeah, so.
0: yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I just, I mean, I, yeah, I just find the McCoy kind of anger not very useful. I think he's mm-hmm. better when he's not being angry.
1: And you're referencing specifically, there shall be no battle here today. Type. All that, all that
0: yelling yeah. about, you yeah. know, which is like, really? Do you have to mm-hmm. shout it like that? Can't you just say it in a normal voice? I mean, because, I mean, when, when Tom Baker gets angry, it's like, Phew. Blimey, he's, he's really angry right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he does it really well because it's, it's judiciously applied. I'm just feeling there's too much anger.
1: Yeah, it always seems like a reaction with Tom Baker to something that's just crazy or
0: preposterous or uh, Something obscene. has literally made him angry. Right. Whereas, whereas the, uh, Sylvester McCoy's written to be perpetually on the verge of getting really cross right. about stuff when he doesn't really need to because mm-hmm. he's basically in control. Um, I mean, that's the kind of that's, the, the dis-
1: that's that doctor.
0: Yeah. So w- why does he have to get angry at all when he's you know he can actually disarm someone with the flick of his umbrella? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I, which he just does something I was, quite a bit
1: in the story.
0: too. He does. He does. He certainly. This is, he's swapped Venetian aikido for some kind of umbrella-based martial <laughs> art, of which doesn't really have a name. But anyway, mm-hmm. you know the kind of thing. Yes.
1: Hmm. Yeah, mm. I don't think it serves them very well, but it is a classic line where uh, the children line, yeah. of this time really fondly remember it. This is one of the stories I think uh, kids of the nineteen eighty-eight, eighty-nine really remember because it has all the King Arthur bits. Right, there's big right. set piece battles. Right. You know, you have Ace playing the woman in the lake or the Lady of the Lake. Yep. And yep. so there's there's a lot of things I think little kids would remember. From this story,
0: yeah, yeah, which which wasn't us, of course, because we're in our twenties mm. at this point. Um, right, we were. So we like old and jaded. We're like, what the <laughs> hell? What is this? Like Camelot three thousand only on Doctor mm-hmm. Who? Don't like this. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I didn't watch any of this when it was first broadcast. Um, I, I have to say.
1: Yeah, I think I saw it in eighty nine, and I would have been like a, I think sophomore in college right, at then. Right. And it, you know, it was it was part of that final series or final final season and uh the curiosity for me in this was seeing the brigadier again. Yeah. And we had last seen him in Modern and Dead yeah. and I think this story serves the brigadier's character much much better. Although it does it does open some interesting questions on how the brigadier retired as kind of uh, a a, a popper and a school teacher for this uh, private boys' yeah, academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. A, yeah, and now he's in a, has
0: this big estate. He's done very well for himself in some way. I'm not entirely sure how. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe Doris has got money. Maybe it's Doris. <laughs> yeah, house. that could be.
1: It's Doris's money. Because
0: that is a. I mean, I I know everyone in America thinks that everyone in Britain lives in giant houses, but <laughs> that is a giant house for Britain. That is. That is.
1: That is an estate. <laughs> and I I
0: know I've met actual brigadiers, like real life ones. And mm-hmm. they don't get paid a huge amount, and they don't get to live in a house like that, basically.
1: Um, Do, does their uh, wife give them a swagger stick at the door when they go and off? When they to... leave, yes, yes she yeah.
0: hands them their swagger stick, and they go swaggering <laughs> off in a helicopter, <laughs> driven mm-hmm. by a, possibly a Polish woman or maybe a French woman.
1: It all depends on... Yeah. If she's drunk or not, I think is her line. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so,
0: yeah, so, I mean, as I said, I, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's Doris's money. He married well. Okay. He married up, I think. That, I think you're right.
1: Doris wasn't on the scene in uh, Modern Undead. And no. after the run-in with his older self, or his previous self, he decided to uh, look
0: Doris up. You know, she finally caught him. You know, one thing, one, one podcast we should do, and maybe I'm getting off topic now, we should do, like, mm-hmm. Great Missed Opportunities in Doctor Who, um, Ooh, that'd be a good one. There isn't a day that goes by when I am sad that it wasn't William Russell in in Mordred, Mordred Undead that mm-hmm. that would have made that one so much better.
1: And really, uh, Jacqueline Hill in Megloss, I think, is a wasted opportunity. It would have been absolutely. good to have her actually as Barbara Wright.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a topic for a, for a yeah. podcast for another time.
1: Mm-hmm. What did you make of Doris, uh, the actor, Angela Douglas?
0: Yeah. Is she she in things? I don't know, but did she seem like a good fit? Yeah, she's okay. I mean, mean, she was a bit young for him, but, you know, um, everyone seems a bit young nowadays for me. I think that's his second wife. His second wife, that's true, yeah. Yeah. So not only did he get—he married a younger version, he also married a richer version as well. He's done very well for himself.
1: His trophy wife, I guess. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, Yeah, I think she's all right. I mean, again, it's... Uh, you wonder what the point is but you know i'm sure there is a point
1: well i think the point was you know she would be the widow at the end (laughs) 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 honestly i mean that's why you would uh, i don't know
0: yeah okay that's true yes yes she'd be all like oh no he's dead Mm -hmm. oh no why why (laughs) no who will plant my trees now
1: well, it's like, the, it's like uh, McCoy saying, you know, you should have died in bed. Right. So, uh, so Moffat could come along and animate your corpse into a Cyberman.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh God, I've forgotten that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, exactly. He should have died. Mm-hmm. He should have died well before Stephen Moffat had the chance to do that.
1: <laughs> well, he did. That's the problem. He Ex- brought him back well, from that, the dead. <laughs> that's, that's true.
0: That's true.
1: So did you uh, recognize Frobisher in this? Robert Jezek, uh, Sergeant Zabreznev, is the is that voice that Frobisher? of Frobisher. That is Frobisher, then the two oh, Big Finish's uh, Frobisher stories.
0: How interesting, of course. Yeah. Yes.
1: I wish Big Finish would have done more Frobisher, but I guess he wasn't very popular.
0: <sighs> That's ridiculous. I think Frobisher's excellent. Yes. I agree. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh. it's uh, yeah, no, I didn't recognize okay. him. I didn't recognize him at all. Um, mainly because he wasn't, he, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't dressed up like a giant penguin <laughs> he, <laughs> or even a small penguin.
1: Well, then he's doing it a, a kind of a mid Atlantic,
0: yeah, uh, North
1: American accent, I think, for Frobisher and Big Finish, too. And he he's was trying, trying to, to do che- the all go all Russian che- or Czechoslovak. Polish, or I think
0: they're supposed to be Czechs, aren't they?
1: That was the other thing with the brigadier saying, Do you speak Czechoslovakian? It's sort of like, What if. Aronovich wrote that. Then it's Cartmill's fault for letting that slide through. But there's just, you know, you, you Czech or Slovak. There isn't really. They're two different languages. They they work well together, but there's not a Czechoslovak language.
0: Right. I, I, I'm not sure I knew that. Okay. But, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, especially now they're two separate countries. Right.
1: It's, yeah. uh, that that uh, rubbed me the wrong way, I guess.
0: I can imagine how it would. Yeah, Gosh, it's considering yes.
1: my last name, I guess. Yeah, that's probably why exactly. it,
0: probably why it uh, played out. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so
1: I want to, again, going back to the way this was recorded. Right. It really had a fan video, a Bill Braggs-type video quality to it.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, a very astute observation. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it felt like. You are entirely correct, yes.
1: And the story kind of had a 1990s hiatus, a wilderness year type thing where, okay, we, we got Nick Courtney, we got Jean Marsh, but we can't do Sarah Kingdom because she died. So we're going to get her play a different character. We got uh, Sophie Eldred and Sylvester McCoy, and we got them very limited for a long weekend. What can we film? Oh, we don't have a script. Ah, let's. Cr- <laughs> How about King Arthur? Okay, let's do our take on King Arthur.
0: King. Everyone knows King Arthur, and let's let's do because we're fans. Let's do let's do face of evil and not face of evil. Um. Uh, Mind of evil and the demons as well. Let's like mash those together. No, that's 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 very true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I got a buddy who has a Bessie or a Bessie replica, so we're we're set. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll just get my. You know, I we'll, will we'll get my. Well, of my friend's Greenland toy, Toyota Land Cruiser, I'll paint some brown stripes on it. That'll do as a, like a military vehicle. Um, someone's got a Citroen two CV. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. you can take the roof off. Let's use that. Yeah. No, it did it definitely had that feel to it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean some of the writing was good. I thought the little scene where the Brigadier said they haven't been wasting time at unit where they have uh, uh Teflon coated bullets right go through Dalek casing and then high explosives for yetis um you know gold tip bullets for you know who uh how the brigadier would know that gold works on Cybermen is another thing but it's a uh, uh, there's, there's some fan service and
0: it's the lost pertwee 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 story story, which actually i'm pretty sure i know that the cyber i know that in the big finishes um the the pertwee the tim treloar pertwees they're they're bringing the cybermen back so maybe that'll be the story yeah
1: could be i wonder if they did did, hmm, sidebar do you know if they recasted uh, lethbridge stewart for big finish
0: they have, yes, they have recast Lesnar Stewart. It's being done by what's his name? Um Tim Trelore. Oh you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um who's the impressionist? Um you know who does Oh John Colshaw? The... John Colshaw, yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so interesting. I'm, I'm kinda of looking forward to that one. I think that's and they've got um hmm. they've got Caroline John's daughter to be Liz Shaw. Oh, that could work. Yeah, that could because you know, she can obviously do an impression of her mum.
1: Hopefully she is an actress.
0: <laughs> uh, I think she's an actress of some kind, so yeah
1: hmm i wonder if big finish is going to try to get sadie miller to do uh oh goodness really sarah jane smith
0: wow that would be i don't interesting. know interesting yeah Ooh. hmm we'll have to yeah. see yeah we will have to see have we got anything else to say about battlefield i mean it's all right i just found it tedious to yeah be and with it's, you. I mean, it's too monty python and it's too camelot 3000 and there's too much going on and everything looks a bit amateur and the direction is flat. I mean, I think that's where, again, where the kind of Bill Baggs feeling comes from. I and mean, it is very flatly directed mm-hmm. and Uninspired. unconvincing pretty much all the mm-hmm. way through. You're not really convinced by, by anything, even though it's got these kind of writerly twists that imply convincingness, like people not being blind anymore and everyone being from, from Czechoslovakia or Poland
1: And it's just padded, 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 even beyond, I think, the 70s level padding. At least in 70s level padding, uh, you probably wouldn't let the actor James Ellis go on and on and quote Tennyson for padding.
0: (laughs) Right. No, 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 no. You just, you'd have the doctor being captured by someone and then escaping, you know, which is always awesome and fun. And they should have had more of that, really.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't really do much with the uh, change of identity other than... uh, Uh, Zabregnev is saying when he was working for Lethbridge Stewart or when he was under the hand of Lethbridge Stewart that there was the doctor kind of reestablishing the legend.
0: You know, and there's all that messing around in the spaceship with that kind of flying green thing. That was kind of Um, a cool
1: effect, but it, it's a cool
0: effect, but you don't know, like, why? why does the spaceship have a flying green thing in it? Why does the spaceship have a special bit?
1: It's a little bit Ghostbusters.
0: It was very, very, that was exactly what I was thinking. That's definitely Slimer out of Ghostbusters. <laughs> and then why does the spaceship have a special bit that when you go into it, it fills up with water? Mm-hmm. I guess it's probably an airlock or something, but then why is it? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's it's the Jeopardy Chamber. <laughs> Quick, Ace, go into the Jeopardy Chamber and become in Jeopardy. Yeah, you know, anyway. yeah. Yeah, anyway. Well, put the yeah, whole so.
1: film crew in jeopardy
0: too. Yeah, just make sure that everyone is, <laughs> is, is within an inch of being electrocuted. Ray.
1: I mean, this is what we've just been saying all during Ace. You have young writer, young script editor. It's a lack of maturity, lack of time. And I'm not sure all the pieces are needed in this jigsaw puzzle. And the way they're put together in what we see on the screen don't work very effectively together. Nope.
0: No. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. That's all I have to say. You're yeah. right. They do not work together <laughs> yeah. well. And even even, even. one can imagine they all went to have a drink at the gore crow at the end. That still wouldn't have helped.
1: What is a gore crow?
0: A gore crow is not a thing. Okay. It's two It's two words. One of which is gore, which means blood or something. Mm-hmm. And the other which is crow, which, which is, is a, a, you know, bird. a, black, a yeah. black bird those two thi- those two words have never been put together in the English language before
1: is it something arthurian or since, like it no ar- it's
0: it's nothing it's nothing okay. in fact it's if i did so nothing i'm going to um,
1: cuz i mean lake Vortigern is a reference i guess to a king Vortigern.
0: well i think Vortigern was king of the anglo saxons right who who uh, who who um uh, king well versions of king arthur fought against mm mm-hmm. Um, so he was like an evil, not an evil, but he was a, he was an antagonist to um, to, to 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 like because Arthur Arthur's king of the Britons, who are the original inhabitants, original inhabitants of the British Isles, and the Anglo Saxons, of course, are the invaders mm-hmm. um, who he fights against, who Weird. are pagans basically, and Arthur is Christian because mm. um, he's Roma, he's Romano British, mm-hmm. um, the original King Arthur, if there was a King Arthur. Which you know, it's entirely possible there wasn't. Um, he was some kind of, you know, he was Romano-British nobility of some kind mm-hmm. who got into a scrap with some either revolting, i.e., rebellious Roman soldiers, who basically that's what the Anglo-Saxons were, or actual Anglo-Saxon invaders right. who were coming in, who were coming mm-hmm. from the continent. Okay. And that's King Vortigern. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's, yeah, there just... you go. the more you know. <laughs> Read your Gildas or your Nennius; those are the two prime sources for King Arthur. Um, there's two monks: one not, monk called not called, Camelot three thousand, not Camelot three thousand. No, uh, the monk Gildas and the monk Nennius mm-hmm. are the two primary prime sources for um, <laughs> the, for the actual historical King Arthur. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you have got you know Mallory and Lamort D'Arthur and all that kind of nonsense. But if you want to find mm-hmm. out exactly. Where then that name comes from, then then that's where those are the people you read. Mm. Yeah, the more you know. So you listen to this podcast, you find out things. Get learned. You get learned, exactly, yes. <laughs> learned. So
1: just another another thing of padding that I have, I'm just going through my notes trying to pad out this podcast. is <laughs> <laughs> christopher bowen who plays mordred and it must have been a good solid 18 minutes of him laughing demonically oh and god that, that laughing back. bit i know that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> just yeah that was nuts that
1: that was padding uh demonic laughing padding and you had we didn't even touch on the whole other sub element of this weird relationship between Mordred and his mother, that which
0: is which is I mean again in various elements various parts of the Arthur legend that is actually something that's going on.
1: It is, and but they don't want to touch it in Doctor Who, so it's they kind of dance around the edges of it, and yes. then the resolution of it we have these interdimensional beings uh, sideways in time and the solution at the end is to lock up Mordred and Morgaine in, in unit. a prison and I would like to have seen a little more of a tidy resolution yeah, to yeah. When, I mean, they
0: could have at least just kicked them down some kind of dimension the doctor could have easily opened up a dimension portal and like kicked them into it or something or
1: or, have or maybe take off in the spaceship or something or i don't know they could have been killed or something yeah.
0: but yeah to have the idea that just just we we'll would just lock them up in the in a prison somewhere for a bit
1: <laughs> you know that's <laughs> it reminds me Together. of uh, the witchfinder where you had the the prison on the hill right uh, um, being locked by the stump uh, maybe that's a series 12 story where <laughs> morgane oh, yeah. and mordred uh, come back. Because...
0: They finally managed to convince the other you know, parole board at the prison to let them out.
1: No, because unit's been disbanded. There's oh, no yeah. funding so the unit prison... the, the up... prison,
0: They just let all the unit prisoners <laughs> out, like Mordred, <laughs> McGain, some Zygons. Like, <laughs> people they've had locked up for years.
1: They have this one Cyberman that's been there since
0: invasion. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> sitting there and like, excellent! I can now leave. Um <laughs> uh, funny. Uh, yeah.
1: So this is a really weak thought resolution to the conflict, and then you have this uh campy domestic scene at the end where he oh, ha ha, ha it's girls stay out.
0: I mean it did actually say on the info text I was watching on the DVD that Ben Ar- Arinovich uh admitted that he had no idea how to end it.
1: Yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did have an idea how to end it. You ended it with the Brigadier dying. the Brigadier dying, Brigadier
0: dying but, then, but then no one would let him do that. So it didn't happen. And
1: you don't want the doctor killing off Morgaine. And you've, you had to expel Morgaine or have her leave. And then with the whole uh, interdimensional thing where you see her breaking through and summoning uh, the Destroyer and stuff... And then a little bit later on, this is just a shed on the hotel estate somewhere. Right. It it doesn't is that part of the interdimensional portal?
0: Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 weak. It's weak. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> I mean, at the very least, you know, I don't know. The they could have grabbed onto Excalibur or something, and then like there was a, like a feed energy feedback thing, and she could have melted into dust or something. I mean, that's the traditional way that Doctor Who Villains die. Is they, 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 they get what they want, but they only but they get too mm-hmm. much of it, and that yeah. too much of it yeah. kills them. Yeah, that's well, we, that's that, that's the main mm-hmm. way that villains die.
1: Mm-hmm. Or in so. Dragonfire, we just open up the window and melt something. Yeah, all
0: that. Yeah, a whole bunch of things.
1: Well, she had no reason to live because Arthur was dead, and she'd never see Arthur again. Something exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: lock her up into the spaceship. That would have been better,
1: too. I don't understand why you would blow up that spaceship. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, it was
0: a cool spaceship. They should have kept that and used mm-hmm. it to fly around in. The, the, a, lot, a lot more efficient than that helicopter. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well,
1: it, it, sur- well it, it would have survived if the Doctor didn't blow it up. That's true. Uh, I did like that the Doctor had done this in the future. I thought that was a clever twist on the uh, what... Cartonville is always trying to do.
0: It was a clever twist, but it didn't really go anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see, you know, that's something they really wanted to do. But the only real payoff on that was the, you know, this is something I wrote.
1: Right, and they did it twice: the note inside the helmet, and then the note yeah. carved runes. Uh, yeah,
0: you know, which is which is a fun idea, but you know, I, 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 within the the confines of this TV show, they weren't really able to develop it. I don't think that well.
1: No, well, again, yeah. the series, the show was cancelled. So uh, it, it maybe, was. maybe that it was. would have been some, the lost season 27 stories. Eh? I don't know. Exactly.
0: Right. Well, that's it for me. I'm afraid for Battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, it's just, like you said, weak sauce. Nothing in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. The knights that go knee. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, the, uh, one other note. Sorry. I have to yep. do it. Ace going Geronimo. I wonder if this is where oh, Moffitt yes. Moffat decided to put that for Matt Smith's doctor.
0: I noticed that as well. Yes, Ace going Geronimo. Yeah, the Doctor going. Hmm, <laughs> I'll have to remember to That's a say that phrase. with monotonous yes. regularity. Yeah, I'll a couple of regenerations from now, I'll state. I'll state. Mm-hmm. I'll start to say that, and people will think I'm being original. So I'll just remember. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it doesn't seem yeah. like something Ace would say. Put it that way.
0: Not really. It's not really something anyone ever says, so, you know, who knows? Maybe it's something that the people only really say in the Doctor Who universe, not in our normal universe.
1: Surely there would be something Arthurian that she could say, like, onwards, or...
0: Farewell, my liege. <laughs> you should have excalibur. Excalibur! Excalibur! Yeah, I mean, you expect that the sword is supposed to be really powerful, but I guess, you know for some reason Ben Aaronovitch wanted to kind of, you know, deconstruct the whole Arthurian myth in some mm-hmm. sort of way and have the have the sword not be powerful but if you're not if you're going to do that then why have it in the first place so there you go whatever yeah we're done. Okay. Yeah, we're done. We didn't like this one that much. Mm-hmm. Um I mean everyone does a good job, but they've got relatively little to work with.
1: The cast is having fun, I think
0: they are seem to be having they seem to be enjoying themselves. They yeah.
1: they sunk their teeth into the little the bits that they were provided. The writing I think was uh, good for a sophomore effort, but not as probably not as good as uh, the initial remembrance of the Dalek. Yeah. If we're yeah. doing if we're doing a pertwee story pastiche then remembrance is more successful than
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Battlefield. I agree. Well, so next week, it's, it's, we're on to the old, uh, old ghost light, aren't we, next indeed, week? Indeed, we are. Ooh, everyone's scared of that one because mm. apparently no one can understand it. <laughs> so we'll, let's see what we think. Yeah. Aha. Yes. We, we shall see. We shall see, indeed. All right. Um, and, okay, well, good. Um, uh, if you have been, thanks for listening.
1: Yep, and uh, I've been talking with Ben.
0: And I have been talking with David. And
1: until next time,
0: Excalibur! Excalibur! I can now
1: leave.